Welcome to the Relationship as Medicine podcast. I'm your host, Shelby Lee, outdoor adventure enthusiast, dog mom to Luna, world traveler, longtime meditator, espresso lover, and a trained somatic psychotherapist, trauma specialist, and certified coach. Talking about trauma doesn't have to be so daunting. From a connected place, we can navigate anything together. Looking forward to exploring with you today. Here we go. Just popping in here before the episode to let you all know I am so grateful and happy to have you be in this experience with me and with Kim. We truly explore some wildly vulnerable topics here from our own lives, some things that happened decades ago and some things that are quite fresh. And I interviewed Kim here on my episode uh, right after she interviewed me on her podcast, Get Your Sexy Back, where I share some incredibly vulnerable things that I have never shared publicly before. And it was such a nourishing, connecting experience. And over the course of that episode, if you go check it out, you'll hear how we realize that we have a lot of similarities we share, almost eerie. (laughs) And so we thought it would be really cool to flip it and me interview Kim. Uh, There were some moments in both episodes that I thought long and hard about, do I cut this out uh, from my own story? Is this too raw, uh, too overwhelming, too this, too that? (laughs) Will it be overwhelming for me? Will it be overwhelming for others to have this in the world? And what I always intend is that you get to see a real human here that's also a professional and an expert in her field. Same with Kim. And the reality is with trauma and abuse, it doesn't always end, (laughs) especially with complex trauma. And you'll hear an instant uh, of things or something that has happened recently in my own life because I don't get to be in control of my family members and uh, the shit that they come up with. Uh, But you do get to hear the ways we respond from a healthy place. And there's a moment where Kim dives in right away so courageously and vulnerably and mentions some childhood sexual abuse. And so there's a bit of a trigger warning here and an invitation for you to really allow yourself to melt into some support, some resource, uh, maybe listen with a hand on the heart. Maybe start and stop the episodes as you just take this in. The intention is for you to hear about some healing on the other side of some things that happened for both of us that just were shit. (laughs) And I know that many of you can resonate or you've heard these stories from your clients. And uh, my hope is that you leave feeling inspired and open to the possibility of healing in its many forms for you and for those you work with. With that said, I am so looking forward to you getting to be part of this through your listening and your witnessing. Thank you so much. So happy to have you here on my podcast, Kim. 
so excited to introduce you all to Kim Coffin. If you didn't catch the podcast that Kim so graciously interviewed me on, on her podcast just recently, it was such a beautiful, connecting, deep, uplifting, wildly synchronous um, experience that we decided to do something similar, but on my podcast where we're spotlighting Kim. It was just a really beautiful story sharing and connected uh, time, and I'd love to see if we can create that fresh together today. Kim is a trauma-informed somatic sex, love, and relationship coach, as well as an empowerment and sexuality coach, female sexuality coach, tantric sex coach, and founder of Get Your Sexy Back. Kim, welcome. Let us know where you are in the world and any more you want to tell us about what you're up to in the world. Mm, Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate that intro. Where am I in the world? I am in Ontario, Canada, about 45 minutes west of Toronto. Wow. So you're close but far. Close but far, yeah. The internet and all the technology we have these days makes me super, super close, right? Yeah. And you have so many hats here, or so many different ways you coach. Would just love to hear more mm-hmm. about your mission, your intention, your vision for this beautiful work you're doing in the world. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Um, The biggest thing I specialize in is that empowerment and that sexuality and confidence piece. Like that is this piece, this quick, fast portal I find that really can get us in to our body, reconnect us to our body. So I show singles and couples how to reconnect to their body and how to reconnect to their pleasure. And of course, that involves activating their turn on healing heartbreak and shame, and really reclaiming the places that we've been disempowered. So our voices, our truth, our boundaries, our body, our sexy, all of it. And so that we can step into our unapologetic power, that unapologetic confidence. Um, It's a beautiful, beautiful journey. I am guessing that you have a history that inspires this work. <laughs> Just making an <laughs> assumption here. And I loved hearing you, you know, you used the word empowerment a couple of times and knowing a bit about your history from what we shared together on the podcast. Um, that you, uh, that's your podcast. I'm just so curious um, if you'd like to say a few words about your history and what led to doing this really important work. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a little bit of a long journey, like 27 plus years, but it is a beautiful journey. Uh, It didn't start so beautiful. It um, basically, I woke up in the middle of the night at 14 being sexually assaulted by my stepfather. And it was an absolutely horrific night. And I was confused and distraught and did not know what to do. And finally, around four or five in the morning, I figured out what to do. I was like, I'm going to tell my mother. Um, And I'm like, great, she'll figure it out. This is good. This is perfect. We got this. And I did. Um, After he left for work, I went and told her. And she believed me initially. But then she sent me to school, which is a really big red flag looking back now. 
And a few hours later, she picked me up and um, basically didn't believe me. She said, nope, you maybe dreamed this, you made this up, something like that. And that was the biggest betrayal. That was the hardest part. I definitely, you know, had some work to do to reclaim my body and my sovereignty after being assaulted that way. But the biggest betrayal was my mother. So as we moved into my 20s and 30s, I got out of the house very, very quickly, as fast as I could, 18, when I went to university. And I never came back, essentially. But as I moved into my later 20s and 30s, I really ended up very burnt out, very stressed out, numb, disconnected, really caught in the cycle of overgiving, doubting myself, people pleasing, and feeling like I didn't fit in. And always saying, yes, there's the part of the people pleasing, right? Even if I didn't have it in me. And I found myself not speaking my truth. It took like, I didn't know it at the time. It took till later to go, ooh, I was not speaking my truth. I was playing this role of the good girl, the good daughter, the good wife, the good mom, and always trying to show up that way. But what that led into was exhaustion and frustration and anger and frequently feeling rushed on the go, stuck in my head. And I always wondered why I couldn't do what everybody else seemed to be doing. And then this was, of course, followed by a lot of guilt, a lot of guilt for not being grateful for what I already had, which was a ton, right? And then as it leaded into 2013, I started to have this deep, deep intuitive feeling and hit and just kind of secretly creeping up on me going that there is another way. And I slowly started to reclaim my boundaries and my space and Yet I was still really wobbling, really wobbling. I was still unsure if I was on the right path. I broke my ankle that summer as well. And it was a big, huge slowdown message, like big, huge slowdown message. So I started to listen, but it was still a few more years of definitely wobbling. And that was frustrating. And yet it also built up to a beautiful 2017 where I really, really started reclaiming myself full out. I started working with world-renowned teachers like Mama Gina and Layla Martin, um, Sheila Kelly, Bernadette Pleasant, a whole pile of amazing, amazing, beautiful teachers. And I started my healing and I started my reclamation journey. And from there, I learned how to come back home into my body, learn how to really listen and how to trust and create safety within my body and be able to hold myself, which was so, so powerful. And, you know, basically what I've learned, like, this is not just my story. I know that so many other humans out there have the same or very similar stories like you. We've talked a lot. And I know that it leads to so much disconnection in our bodies and so much pain and there is another way. There is another way to come back home and to release this generational fear and shame and trauma. And I also know that my mother was really just afraid, like really, truly afraid. She still is. And I know that. Um, And like so many others of us, we are also that afraid to really step into our full unapologetic power. And this is what's made me even more determined to change this narrative, to really reconnect 
to our bodies and to heal and to reclaim the places in our in our bodies in our sexuality and our boundaries and our truth and our voice and our sexy and just being in our unshakable power Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah if you're up for it i would love to take just a big full breath together as we're absolutely just processing this incredible journey you just shared let's do it Mm. (sighs) it feels good yeah i (laughs) notice in my body as you're sharing i'm feeling my heart aching i'm feeling uh, like kind of pins and needles tingling in my legs and uh you know, I'm feeling rage at the, mm-hmm. the stepfather. I'm feeling sadness that you had to go through that in the way you did. And I imagine others who are listening are processing and feeling. Um, and I, I'm just really wanting to slow down because this is mm-hmm. an important story. And like you said, so many others have experienced yeah. this too. And I'm just curious for you, what's it like speaking this right now? If we kind of go a little deeper into the felt sense, how how does yeah. it feel to speak these big events out loud publicly? Yeah, it feels okay telling that story. I've told it mm, probably 50 times this year hundreds of times in the last few years, even probably more than that. The bigger part is when I know what's coming and we're going to drop into some of the power and the money and the control piece. And that piece we've only shared once, or I've only shared once, which was with you on my podcast a few weeks ago. So I can feel like there's a little pressure behind my eyes and it's my left eye now, not my right eye. Um, I can definitely feel like this grief for definitely that young girl. Yeah. I can too. Mm-hmm. Something that you you mentioned that really struck me was you said the biggest betrayal I've ever experienced is from my mother. And yeah. I got full body goosebumps. I, I resonate so much. You know, I've, I've experienced a lot of trauma in different forms, uh, you know, from my dad in my early years, uh, leaving me to addiction to later committing suicide, my stepfather terrorizing me. But somehow my mother <laughs> feels like the biggest betrayal out of all of them for not believing me, not being there, not validating me, not holding me, not hearing me. And continuing to pretend like nothing happened or not much happened or it wasn't enough to care still. (laughs) And so I really felt that in, in my own version of what happened when you said that. Yeah, there was something that happened. I have three children. They're now like 19, no, eight, uh, 21, not almost 19 and 16. And the girl is the youngest. And when she was born in 2006, something like, clicked and changed in me. It was like this, I would have gone to the ends of the earth for my children, especially my daughter. There was a different piece of mom and daughter, and maybe that was because of my history, 
that all of a sudden I just didn't get. I did not get how a mother could betray a child like that. Yeah, I still don't. <laughs> I'm, I'm not a mother. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really hard for me to wrap my heart around. And what you said, that she was in fear. Yeah, I know that. Too. Oh, yeah, yeah, and I'm like, it, that's what we're left with. We're ha- we're left with having to imagine and almost caretake them because they weren't able to caretake us, whether it's emotionally, energetically, from a distance or in person. And it just feels heavy to me. Hmm. Yeah, with all of my work and healing work and trauma work and embodiment work. I can see the pattern now. Like I can see how disconnected she is and also how this money and power that we've kind of touched on briefly is still controlling her. And I can see that, right? I've got distance now. I didn't decide when I um, confronted them in early 2017, I didn't decide to cut off my mother. I actually thought I was still going to stay in relationship with her. It was her who decided to cut me off because of it. And, um, and my children, which blew me away again. Uh, she got a long text about that. You want to cut me off? Cool. But your grandchildren, like, what are you doing? What are you doing? But within six, seven, eight months of doing deep, deep work, I really do see that that distance was healthy and it is better for me. There was a lot of narcissism in there. There was a lot of control a lot of a whole pile of things, gaslighting, you name it, right? So to step away and gain that clarity, it actually is a a much better thing to be in more distance. And I can see now how afraid she was. I can still see how afraid she still is. Um, And many, many humans on this planet are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I want to talk about these things, the power, the money, control, And before that, I wanted to have a little laugh about you said you broke your ankle right after that happened (laughs) at at 14. Is that right? No. So I broke my ankle in 2013, just as I was starting to um, have a little like wake up moment that something isn't right here. Something needs to change. Okay. I broke my ankle right after all of this started in when I was 13 and I just was like another synchronicity (laughs) and you said you mentioned how wobbly you felt and I I was like that's such a perfect word for what started happening as all of the for me the terrorizing started happening just so wobbly I was actually I went to an Episcopal uh, middle school, and um, I was already smoking cigarettes, probably a half a pack a day by that point when I was 13, and ran out into the woods to smoke a cigarette, broke my ankle, uh, tripping over a log, and crawled back and put myself at the bottom of the, the chapel stairs. <laughs> oh my god! I mean, it, I laugh, but it's Okay, at 13, what kid is doing this stuff? I know a lot are, but I, it's just really unfortunate that mm-hmm. the wobbles had to start, you know. 
Yeah. And I also know that that is what has led me to my journey and to be able to help others reclaim themselves again. Like I can see how this was all my path. Do you know what I mean? You are a better person than I am. <laughs> I I hear people say that all the time and I wouldn't wish what I experienced on anyone. And I'm not, you know, I love that I get to help people, but I don't, I really, I'm not a believer in like everything happens for a reason. I think it was just shitty. <laughs> it is shitty. It definitely is shitty. And yeah, it's also, you know, I wouldn't be as strong as I am. I wouldn't be as determined as I am. I wouldn't be oh, so many things. Like the the little voices of truth coming through from even younger than that. I have a little bit of backstory even before that that wasn't so yummy. Because um, my, my mom left at five. And she left my sister and I who were like, I was just five. My sister was about two and a half. And she left with, with our dad, which in the 80s was very uncommon. Um, and we did okay. Of course, it wasn't great losing our primary caregiver. That part was devastating. Again, it's a little pattern of betrayal and abandonment here. And um, yeah, but there was always these whispers and this truth. Now, I didn't believe it because, of course, the world is so confusing and heavy on so many different levels, but there was always these little dreams and truths and really empowerment even in watching certain shows, which is really interesting. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there was always this, like looking back, I can see it. There was always this path. Um, and I probably would have found it no matter what. Honestly, yeah, right? that's what but I was going to ask. Definitely. <laughs> Do you really think yeah. it made you stronger or might you have already been strong? <sighs> Hmm. Definitely was strong. It has made me um, have so many different faucets and areas of truth and reclamation to bring into my current business now, which is powerful. That's powerful. So, so powerful. Ooh, I got goosebumps yeah. when you said that. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, just a question, and maybe you said this, but where did your mom go? It sounds like your mom and your dad left when you were five. So my mom left. She left us with our dad and she moved in with my stepfather. <laughs> like, so this man was my stepfather for uh, almost 10 years before uh, he sexually assaulted me that I remember. <laughs> Let me leave that there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. So she actually left and, and went to live with him. But it was later on in our um, 12, 13, I was 12, 13 year that um, we went to live with my mom again because of one of my dad's new wives. Yeah, betrayal mm -hmm. and abandonment. Mm-hmm. Over and over. Yeah. I, we were talking before we hit record, uh, and I hope it's okay to name this. We can edit it if it's not. Please, always. Um, we were talking about the vulnerability that came after or just before publishing the last podcast where we both shared a lot yeah. and you mentioned the repercussions or the potential repercussions of sharing in these ways and what comes up for you. I'm curious before we jump into the power, the money, the control, if you could say a piece about that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it's not my story of sexual assault or betrayal from my mom that feels vulnerable. It did. It used to, I guarantee. Like way back when, four or five years ago, it felt very vulnerable. But I use it very frequently now to share my story. It is the vulnerability of going into sharing about the power, the control, and the money that my stepfather and my mother and my brother are all kind of linked into. And I was at one point too, totally. That feels a little, um, there is a repercussion, there's a repercussion vulnerability hangover in there, right? Of, ugh, like, am I going to get in trouble? even now. And not in trouble like a child, in trouble like, am I going to be taken to court? Uh, Or could something else happen? Um, Because my stepfather has so much money and control and power, he can do whatever he wants. There's a lot of things he could do. Do you know what I mean? And there's a little bit of vulnerability there. And when somebody has this kind of mindset and way of being and control and power and it's so important to them they do things that most of us humans would not yeah I grew up uh, with the strong impression that uh, the power that my stepdad held it could really destroy people in scary ways and I, I mean, I, with the threats that I received, I was sure that that could happen to me too. If I wasn't a good girl, (laughs) if I Mm -hmm. didn't, um, come out of my room with a happy face on (laughs) and, um, I really understand in my own way. And it's actually really fresh for me. I kind of shuddered hearing you say that power is so incessant uh, in this way. And I recently shared the biggest truth that I never shared with my sister, who's 13 years younger than me. And I always just wanted her to have a dad because I didn't get one. And they always had somehow, ironically, a really good relationship because he didn't do to her what he did to me. And um, I finally let, I finally told her, what happened and the threats that came with him. And uh, I I lost her in that process. That was one repercussion. Mm. And one reason why I hadn't for t- 28 years, because I knew I probably would, because she is his ally, right? <laughs> and mm-hmm. has been programmed by him and my mom that I'm the difficult one, I'm the one that um, tells stories to get attention and that all of this stuff has been blown out of proportion and it's me. I'm sure they tell themselves all sort of stories about what kind of um, personality disorders I might have. You know, the fear in your voice and it being so real and recent, um, I didn't realize it was that, that recent and that it affected you that way. Um, But it also makes me feel a little bit better that I'm not alone nor crazy. <laughs> no, I mean, not crazy. And I think it, a piece here might be, I don't know, you know, the money piece, right? With yeah. money comes a lot of power sometimes. <laughs> and 
the mm-hmm. levels of power I saw getting thrown around uh, were just things you just see in movies, right? <laughs> and I don't, I, yeah, it's and so it's so much, and so it really comes with a lot of weight. Yeah, and being in it, like in it, in it, I didn't see it. It was later when it was reflected back to me when I'd, you know, share stories about my life to a therapist or a counselor or a friend and they'd be like, pardon? And I was like, what? I was like, that's so different than everybody else's lives. And I'm sure you had, you know, we know that it's not right, but we also think that it's happening to so many others or it's not so different for so many others. A little bit of confusion in there, right? I think that was exactly I, it was seeing the people's looks like therapist after therapist after therapist looking at me and being like, hold on a second. What did you just say that happened? Yeah. Like the, they just looked so unbelievable that I was saying it as though like, Oh yeah, this little thing. I know other people have it worse, but you know, it just, I, it comes up. So I wanted to share it. And they're just like stunned, stunned again and again and again. I'm so grateful for that. Yeah. It's not a really a big deal. It's it's just, you know, I'm good with that. Like, ah, yes, 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 yes. I would think the same and say the same. And I also want to add into this episode. um, We have so many synchronicities here. Like you have a sister who's, is she 13 years younger than you? And I have a brother who's 13 or 13 years exactly younger than me, who is the same child of the stepfather and mother, right? So the synchronicities here. And and I lost him a couple of years ago too. Initially, when I confronted my mother and the stepfather, my brother actually panicked. He freaked out and he talked, he was talking to me still. And he was like, So what does that make me? And he was like really, really hit at his core and he started to process this and then within a few weeks he switched to no my my dad says it didn't happen it didn't happen um so I saw both sides from him and he's held that it didn't happen and then about a year later when I told him that the betrayal of my mom our mom we share the same mom was greater than what his father had done he said now I know I don't believe you there's no way that could be worse so I lost him as well. He hasn't talked to me for a few years now. I often think about, you know, with this kind of trauma, some of us have just had to get used to losing people, <laughs> like a lot, yeah. over time, constantly. And it's become something that I'm just used to. Now, I, I used to grieve constantly and just be like, oh, it's me. What's wrong with me? Why can't I be this or that? And now I'm like, this is just part of this betrayal and abandonment cycle (laughs) Mm -hmm, um, it feels mm -hmm. empowered now to be like okay this is part of what I draw in it happens and um but it it always it never feels good (laughs) it doesn't feel good for sure I also was deep 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 in a huge supportive community with school of women the arts we were going through mastery when this happened I think we were between one and two mastery. Uh, I did two years of it. So we were in the, in the between. So I was very deeply supported. I also had a therapist at the time and was just doing a lot of work around releasing this from my body of 
cultivating that trust and support and inner knowing within my own body as well to use that to hold me. So I definitely had a lot of support. I had a lot. I don't know that I would have been able to do all of that on my own. I don't think I could have. I'm pretty sure I would be dead. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. for me, it's been uh, just, yes, the support of my own body, but the support of the earth, you know, like that's a mama I can sink into. <laughs> really yeah. connecting with this loving, uh, just deeply slow, patient, beautiful, kind, gentle nature has been very mm. healing for me to rest my body and my soul on her. Mm. Mm, that's so, so beautiful. And I fell into definitely a lot of sisterhood, which I never would have thought I would have ever had because I definitely had female human wounds that way like it was like and of course look at my history why wouldn't I um so I I really did heal a lot of that wounding a lot of that mother wounds female wounds um and really leaned into sisterhood hard through all of that how do you think you were able to do that given the wounds that you carried around female identified people yeah uh, I was in mastery. So I was deep in first the experience and then deep into mastery at that point, which is like a four month program with the School of Womanly Arts where there was, I think, was there 500 the first year? I think there was 500 of us the first year. And we talked about wounding. We talked about um, female wounding and mother wounds and all of this. Like it was like, okay, we're talking about all the hard stuff. And we used pleasure to hold our nervous systems and we did nervous system regulation and I had a a small pod of three of us where we talked every single day and we shared all of our fears we you know would say and go into I don't really want to say this but I'm good anyway and we were received with love all of us each way like it was a beautiful beautiful journey and then there was this bigger pod in the entire program So yeah, it was really, it was a beautiful journey for me. There's nothing in that journey that I regret or don't, would change. Like it is what it is. I am in charge of me and my own body and sovereignty. And my brother has his own. My sister kind of sits, she's two and a half years younger than me. She's with my mom and it is her stepfather as well. She sits a little bit on the fence and plays both sides still. (laughs) And I still don't even really know what she believes, which is very similar to your brother, who's just a little younger than (laughs) you. Yeah, my brother's two years younger as well. Oh, I just, I love him so much. (laughs) and He is really in the middle, and I can see that it causes suffering for him. And I have to remember that that's not my journey to make it better for him. But it's so hard not to try. Yeah, it makes me sad, right? Yeah. yeah, I mean, I have to watch my good girl stuff. I He's coming up here, and so is uh, my whole family for our cousin's wedding in a month. And mm-hmm. I initially was like, oh, I'll just leave town just so that it's not difficult for you, brother. And then he's like, what the fuck? <laughs> he's like, 
dude, <laughs> I can handle it. Um, I love you. I'm coming. Stop it. And that was so healing. <laughs> mm, that is beautiful. That is beautiful. Do you want to go a little bit more into your story? Mm. I feel like so much of it people can reference in your gorgeous podcast. I, okay. I'm really curious. Well, let me just take a breath. Let me see. I think I'm, I'm equally curious about, you know, hearing more from you about the power of money and control and what's present for you around that. And then I've been thinking so much lately about, this thing that happens when we do become empowered and we speak our truth and we set our boundaries and we're healing and we still, I have to manage this um, kind of like a, oh, it's just a little gut-wrenching of how I imagine people perceive me. (laughs) All Mm. the stories people are telling themselves about me and um, I would love to explore that more in depth at another time. But I just have to imagine you experience that as well. The caring what other people think and what they might be thinking about Yeah, me. especially family members yeah. and friends of them and, you know, everyone that hears how they might be talking about me. It's a lot. I definitely, yeah, I definitely used to feel that. I don't anymore. That is part of the empowerment piece. There's a part of reconnecting to body, to pussy, to womb, to this deep, deep inner knowing and power that has cultivated such a deep, epic trust in me and my body that no matter what, I got this. And whatever they're thinking, it really is none of my business. And I've also had people, many people, reach out. So I've had my my parents, like I call them my parents still, don't know why, but my mother and stepfathers, I grew up at the cottage in Muskoka um, all through the summers and every single weekend and numerous people from the lake who are my parents' friends follow me. Numerous people message me. Um, Numerous people hop on calls with me. I even have... um, you know, family of my stepfather, who is not my family by blood, a couple, actually a handful of them, all reach out to me, follow me, talk to me, want to know what's going on. And um, it really has erased any of that. I don't care what anybody's thinking one way or another. I truly, truly don't. I know my truth and I know what happened there and it truly doesn't bother me anymore. Oh, I felt my body expand when you said that. And I feel that way too. It's taken me so many years to have the courage to get there (laughs) and the tools and the support. Mm -hmm. And I have so many clients that get stuck there and I just sit with them in it. And I feel so much grief because I know it is, it's a crux of the healing. And I don't hear people talking about that that much. yeah, set boundaries. It'll be empowering. But there is a part of that healing that can be really vulnerable and really tender, especially growing up. 
um, with narcissism in the family. It's like we would do anything mm. to uh, manage our images, right? <laughs> and how people perceive us. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I grew up with all of that. But I, I really am totally connected to me and my truth and my purpose. And like, it's like, yeah, if you want to live your life that way, go ahead. Um, but I'm like on a path, total path. The train has like left the station. Yeah. <laughs> me too. And that way I love, I was like, I spent the first 40 years of my life in that. And I refuse to spend the next 40 years doing that. Mm -hmm. uh, it is time. And mine was 40. Was yours 40 too? Yeah. Yeah. Mine was 40 also. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I was like, all right, it's time. I am going to be just in my power, living it up. I can't spend any more energy caring what people think and being so taken out by it. It's like, I'm actually pretty cool. I believe myself. Everyone around me does. And like you said, some people from those circles have reached out. I mean, I even remember people at the parties that my parents would throw and take me aside and really sit me down and be like, how are you really? I see what's happening. You know, if you want to come mm -hmm. and have a, some mom time at my house, I'll make you a cup of tea, you know, things like that all through my childhood and mm -hmm. adulthood. So that feels really affirming. Yeah. Really affirming. Yeah. My uncle, um, who's also on the same lake at the cottage, which is my mom's sister's husband, is um, the first person who reached out to me when I shared my Me Too on Facebook really, really fast, like three days after it all happened. And I was like, did it, and then hid my phone away. I didn't want to see it. And um, he is a um, retired now, but was the chief of the Toronto airport. Like he was superintendent of the airport, superintendent of Peel region, which is just west slightly of Toronto, a very big region in there. And he's been a policeman all his life. And he's the one who first reached out to me when I posted it. And he was like, this is not okay. Who was it? And I told him and he was not surprised. And yet he's friends with the man. And he was really, really amazing. I really thought I was going to be in trouble. I was expecting to be yelled at, right? And he wasn't. He was like, it's never too late to speak up. You can still take it to the police if you want to. We don't have a statute statue, um, of limitations in Canada like you guys do in some states. I'm not sure of all of them. Uh, and we've talked about it at length. And at the same time, we've decided not to. Um, because of the money, we're going to come back to money and power again. Because of the money and power that my stepfather has, he said, this is from a police officer, um, he said he will hire the biggest and the best lawyers and they will tear you through the mud and it will destroy your relationship with your husband and your children. He goes, it's not worth it unless somebody else also comes forward. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Right. It's what is going to be the most loving thing for you at this point. More stress, more intensity, mm -hmm. more trauma, more violence, or you doing this, which. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that helped me, of course, having that family 
support on that side. And right after he said something, I was like, okay, I'm calling the rest of my dad's family, my aunts and my uncles. Like I called everyone, even my dad. Um, and he was like, huh, why am I hearing about this now? Right. And I was like, cause I was scared shitless, scared shitless. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm so grateful to hear that your uncle responded that way. And especially somebody in a role like that, I just, you know, Mm -hmm. protection, like that little one, just so needed protection. It sounds, my story is that that's part of the healing, right? Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of support. There's definitely a lot of support. And if there was none, I'm okay. I know I'm okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Me too. (laughs) And that is a true sign of healing. But it's not easy. It's not easy to come by that. You know, so many people are like, who can say that? Like, you're safe now. You're okay now. And it takes the nervous system some time to really register that after being in such a fright, right? Absolutely. Because your body doesn't think it's safe, even if you might be physically safe. It takes a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, or deep work. Yeah. You, it sounds like you told your mom that one time and then years later did that again. And my process was, and you did that with many people. My process was kind of a slow leaking out of the trauma, you know, and uh, it's so true that the body carries it. You know, every time I would share a detail or have a memory or realize how big what happened how big it was, you know, I re-experienced it every time I was trying to let the truth out. And it took so many years to show my body like that that thing that happened isn't happening now. And it can be quite a process. Mm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like I saw it show up in my births of all three children. I th- saw it th- show up in um, nursing, I kept getting mastitis on my left breast, which is like the breast that I was assaulted originally on. Um, so many patterns in my body years later where it was holding the trauma and the stress and the tension. So it, our bodies are brilliant. They're absolutely brilliant. They want to heal and they will hold on to it until we're ready to. <laughs> yeah, they're so wise. They're telling us so much all the time. <laughs> of how they need care, mm-hmm. what's happening. Yeah. Well, we're coming up towards uh, the end of this particular conversation. And is there anything here in this moment that wants to be expressed or spoken? Yeah, there's something still around that money and power that I just really want to say to anyone who's listening and if it's still holding them back as well that don't let it like don't let it at the expense of your own health at the expense of your own body it it is there to try and control you and it's there to literally keep you in place make sure you're quiet and you don't say anything and you're stronger than that We can be stronger than that together, too. It's like 
oh, it really mm-hmm. takes a community <laughs> to lean into. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you so much for your uh, your willingness to share despite all of this that must feel so vulnerable and your courage and especially all of the healing you've stepped into and now how you're supporting others. I'm wondering, yeah, can you share with us how you are supporting others and how they can find you if they want to connect? Mm, Absolutely. Thank you. Um, I definitely have my private coaching. I support singles and couples in private coaching and honestly just hop on a free call. If you want to talk, I'm happy to connect and talk and see if that feels aligned. If you want some support in doing this inner healing work and reconnecting to your body. And then I also have this beautiful membership that I started a few months ago where it's a beautiful way for people to start dipping their toe into reclaiming their body, coming home to their truth, dipping their toe into sacred sexuality or sensuality. I call it sensuality online because our sacred pleasure online because it's just a little safer for Facebook, you know. And um, it's, you know, just reconnecting to who you are. So it's a beautiful, beautiful membership with tons of content. You can hop on free calls and receive free um, free coaching in there. I don't know why I'm using the word free, but you get what I'm saying. Like, there's a tons of bonuses in this container. It is a paid membership program. It is $64 a month for that. But I am throwing like thousands of different processes and practices and coaching and workshops all into this because I really want this work to be accessible to everybody as much as possible at all levels of availability financially. So that is a beautiful program and you can check out anything uh, about me on my website, get your sexy back and it's .ca for Canada. You can remember it that way. So get your sexy back.ca. You can check out my podcast, Get Your Sexy Back as well. My private Facebook group is Get Your Sexy Back. Instagram, I'm Get Your Sexy Back Coach. There's a nice little pattern going on here. (laughs) Yeah, and we'll have that all in the show notes as well. Yeah, yeah, it's all under Get Your Sexy Back, so it feels good that way. Awesome. Well, I am excited for this to come out, and imagine there could be a vulnerability hangover on either of our sides so let's plan on making sure the door is open between us <laughs> and i also want to invite anybody who's listening that has been impacted by this in any way that you are welcome to email and share uh what's what's up for you as you're listening it's always so good to know all right thank you so much kim thank you really truly honored thank you Thank you so much for listening today. Before you go, if you loved the conversation, make sure you're subscribed or following, have your notifications turned on or alerts, and leave a five-star review so we can get the word out to anyone that this might be supportive or inspiring to. If you're a facilitator, coach, healer, therapist, or healthcare practitioner, stay connected with me over on Instagram at fierceheart.com. Dot Shelby Lee, L-E-I-G-H, bringing you accessible online trauma awareness and trauma-informed trainings brings me so much joy. Looking forward to connecting with you as you join me in this worldwide revolution, supporting the folks who need it most.